0: Welcome to episode 10 of the Canes Country podcast. We are now at episode 10. That's exciting. Um, my name is Brett Finger, and uh, we have an exciting show this week. And of course, I'm joined by Justin Lape and Kyle Morton. How are you guys doing?
1: I'm good. Uh, you mentioned two digits, but that's what you'll have left on your hand if you let uh, Sidney Crosby get a slash anywhere near your gloves. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, mark my thought.
2: <laughs> Starting off the podcast strong. What's up, guys?
1: I try to inject inject a terrible joke at the top of every episode just just to set the tone, because uh, y- you can really only go uphill from from one of those, right?
2: And at least the listeners know what they're getting as soon as they start listening. So,
1: yeah. Digits digits are, are another word for fingers or toes, guys. That that was the <laughs> reference.
2: It was a great one. Thank you, thank you.
1: I think I think we got some training camp. Issues, news, and notes to discuss, so I think we should go ahead and get right into that. Uh, last night was a big preseason game up in Edmonton against Connor McDavid and the highly potent Edmonton Oilers, but they didn't look very potent last night, did they, guys?
0: Yeah, Connor didn't look very potent uh, last night, but the the Hurricanes offense certainly did. They dropped a, a sixth spot on... And an Edmonton lineup uh, that looks very opening night ready, uh, one that which included Cam Talbot in Net and Kyler Yamamoto in the lineup for them, their first round draft pick from this past season or this past draft, I should say, and he's been very very good in preseason. He leads the league in goals, if I'm not mistaken, through the um, through the preseason. So it's it's interesting to see him doing really well and likely cracking a spot with them. But as it relates to the Canes, you know a lot of performers that they'll need to play well in order for them to do well this year as a team especially that jordan stall line with williams and tara vine and that was a line that on paper looked really interesting because those all the three of those guys were impactful possession players and to see them get into action to see you know the numbers that you see um kind of correlate to on ice success is pretty exciting and, and they've been very good together this preseason uh scott darling got his first appearance for the canes he went the full 60 and really played well he wasn't busy but you know the two goals they did let in it's tough to really blame him for a tip from the top of the slot um on one goal and then jacob slavin got boxed out for the first time in his career and uh that one went into but overall there's not a whole lot to be upset with because carolina kind of went into edmonton and really had their way with with the oilers and their defense so
1: yeah it was a, it was a pretty dominant performance for performance through and through. Um, I think uh, one guy you didn't really mention who stood out was Johnny Kokenin. He had three points, a uh, nice power play goal uh, off a finish off a feed from Justin Williams uh, right to the slot. Uh, and then he added a beautiful pass when he got bumped up the lineup to play with uh, on that stall line uh, and he just kind of feathered in one right toward the middle from the boards uh, with a couple guys coming onto him, and then Stahl just kind of one timed it past Talbot. Uh, I thought Kokenin, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Netchez uh, being a guy who's gonna make the team, and we'll get into that pretty soon. but uh, I thought Kokenin looked like a guy who was pretty motivated hearing all that talk. like like he played like he wants a spot on the team too, uh, for sure.
2: Yeah, I'm not one to make uh, rash preseason. You know, uh, jumps to the conclusion, I guess. Um, but, you know, six goals is definitely promising. This is a team that finished uh, 20th in goals for per game. Uh, but it's definitely an improvement. I think this top nine is going to be pretty solid. Um, but, yeah, it's also trying to figure out moving forward. You know, the big talk is John Forsen saying he just might make the roster. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, Forslund's comments kind of, you know, added more fuel to the fire, so to speak, about Netches and, and his chances of making it. Um, and he certainly, he certainly, you know, earned that from, from his play. But like Kyle said just a moment ago, Yanni Kukin isn't a guy that, that should be forgotten as well, because I debate that he's played even better than Neches in, in preseason so far. And you're seeing, you know, what the organization likes about him so much, and you know why he was a standout player with the London Knights last year in the Ontario League. Uh, he's played really well, and he he was playing well with players that that will be a part of this lineup, like Justin Williams, like Jordan Stahl. You know what he's been able to do has been very impressive. But Netches, I still don't know. With with Stempnyak's injury, I think it kind of creates a, a bigger possibility for a guy like Netches or Kukinin to to break into the lineup especially since it is a wing player that that is out that's an easier position for for a young guy with offensive talent like Kukin or Neches. Uh it's easier for them to come in and play the wing as opposed to center when you're taking on those face-offs and defensive responsibilities on top of trying to create plays and doing all that but it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be a close one and Netches. All credit to him has made it very difficult for for the front office and the coaching staff to to cut him because he's he's played well enough to vie for a spot in the top nine. It's just it's really close still, but that's that's probably the biggest thing to watch moving forward in the final week of of preseason action as the final game is on Friday. Yeah, it's really interesting and it kind of speaks to the organizational depth here that there are a lot of young guys who are coming up and, and really impressing in preseason.
2: And I think even if they decide not to move forward Nectes or Kukinen, um, I think that, you know, it's not something they should hang their heads about. This is a team that, you know, our forward depth is probably the better it's been in the past few playoff seasons, I guess you could say. So it's not, it's not something they should get discouraged with. And another thing that's Uh, players shouldn't get discouraged with is roster cuts. Uh, If you were sent back down to Charlotte, were there any surprises that stood out to you guys?
1: I was a little surprised that Gauthier got sent down so early, and to kind of go off what you were just saying about this being some of the best forward depth they've had in the playoff list seasons, I I think you can make a case that this is the best forward depth they've had in terms of guys they could bring up from the AHL team maybe ever. The level of play we're seeing from Natchez and Kukinen, uh, the level of play we expect to see from Wah, obviously. Uh, he hasn't gotten to play due to the injury he suffered in Traverse City yet. Uh, and then you add on guys like Walmart, who had a really impressive game and a shorthanded goal against Edmonton last night. And then you have Julian Gauthier, who had a very impressive game against Washington right before being sent down. This is like... This is starting to become a little reminiscent of the forward depth that the Maple Leafs have right now with guys like Connor Brown and Kasperi Kapanen kind of just being able to plug and play in the event of an injury. Uh, I think I think the Canes, especially the prospects I just mentioned, the younger forwards, I didn't even mention Valentin Zikov either. Uh, I think there's just a lot of guys who could step into a top six or a top nine role for five or six games and not look terribly out of place. And that's not something we've ever been able to say about this team.
2: Yeah, well, I agree with that for sure. And Zekoff and Walmart had great seasons in Charlotte. Um, I think that people are starting to jump to conclusions about Walmart. Um, I wouldn't put him over some of the other centers in the organization right now. And I don't think that he's going to be, I mean, I think he's within next cuts. Um, yeah, he had some good games for sure. Uh, but I think he belongs in Charlotte, especially this year. And I think everyone should just, Kind of like take a step back about him. I I mean there was things that I saw last year that weren't that great, and then he got hot in January and February. Um, but yeah, I mean that he's showing up this well in training camp, the preseason. I mean, is definitely something to look forward to.
0: I'd even I mean in Walmart's case, I I don't think that you that anybody really sees him as a top six scoring type player. But at this point, I think he's making a pretty difficult for guys like D Giuseppe and McGinn who are good pace players or good physical players that that can make an impact in that way but I think Walmart might even bring a little bit more to that role if you know in a in a bottom line role just because of what we've seen of him at this level um, of course you have more knowledge of what he's been doing at the American League level but just from the eight games that we saw of him last year and then the preseason this year, his defensive game is impressive. So I don't know if if he jumps up and takes a wing spot away from a guy like Brock McGinn on the fourth line. But I'm gonna be interested to see what they do with Lucas Walmart. And Bill Pierce is, has talked pretty highly of him too in his ability to you know play a mature two way game and also to to make improvements on a game to get game to game basis. So um, for me, he's one of those guys that is a little bit tougher to cut just because unlike Kukinen or Neches, this, I mean, he has the two way game and he's a guy that could fit um, in a bottom of the lineup role. Uh, The debate I think can also be made. Is he ready for that? Because if he does make the team, it would likely be on that fourth line next to Kruger. And I, I don't know if, if he's ready for those kind of defensive responsibilities, but if the organization feels like he is, I think he's an interesting option.
2: I just – I'm not sold on him like so many other people are. I mean, he I, – I, I'm sorry. I just really see him as either A, a prospect that's going to be packaged in a deal, or B, like I, just a career at A, Jeller. I, I just don't see – I really don't see him as – he doesn't fit in a bottom six role. Because I think he he's, does. he's often – I see – I guess you could put him maybe 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 third line maybe third line. He definitely doesn't belong on the you know the quote unquote grind and grit line. I just I'm not sold on it. I just think that he just doesn't fit with I. He, there's too many people in front of him right now that I think you're looking forward to. You got Neches, you got Kukin you got Roy or Wa, excuse me, Ingotier. Uh, Trois de Wa. Uh, yeah, Trois de Wa. I just, I'm not sold on him. I think everyone just needs to take a step back. He's not that high up on the depth chart in terms of prospects, in my opinion. That, I I don't know. Maybe it's a bad take, but it's a take nonetheless. I'm really not sold on him as much as other people are.
0: See, I'm like the opposite. I don't know. Comparing him to like Brock McGinn, who just signed a one-way deal and played in the league last year. I mean, I don't know how he's a much better option than Walmart because I feel like Walmart's Ability to actually play hockey is better than begins right now.
1: Yeah, I understand that I feel like I feel like that shot that Walmart had last night. was like a very plus NHL play like I don't think there's that many people who can freeze a goalie that well and Loft a shot right into the corner going away from the goalie like against his momentum that was impressive to me
2: And I also think another player people keep forgetting about is Alexi Sorella I mean, he's a guy that I mean he when he came into Charlotte he tore it up for those first ten games uh, you know it it sucked that he got injured, uh, but I mean he's another guy that can be competitive and still I think he's another guy that you could just plug and play like you guys mentioned earlier
0: Yeah, and you know if he could just stay healthy That would be great because his draft year he got hurt and he slid down the draft board because of that reason and I believe he suffered another injury before coming over to North America and then he got here and finished out the year with 10 points in nine games and then got hurt in their last playoff game. So I think that staying healthy is going to be a pretty big challenge for him. And if he, But if he can do it, then you're looking at another guy who could be like Kukunen or Neches and you can play him and bring him up and put him in the top nine and not really lose a whole bunch.
2: Yeah. And again, I, I think that now we're at a point where our forward depth is strong enough to you know, b- unless barring a major injury to, you know, a top player like Stahl or Skinner, you don't really have to worry too much. Um, I think, it, yeah, it's just, it's become to the point where you can plug and play.
0: Yeah, and I think it's almost equally as true on on the blue line too, because you see, of course, the top four is set in stone. Nobody's going to dislodge Slavin, Falk, Pesci, Hannafin, but that bottom pairing outside of, or on the other side of Van Riemstek, I should say, Trevor Carrick, who's making a really convincing case here um he had two points against washington and he kind of brings that grit factor he's you know he's feisty he gets into it um which can help a team if used in the right scenarios which you know he hasn't used them in the wrong scenarios yet so take that as you will and <laughs> then there's of course hayden flurry who it already has the inside track on on this six defenseman roller number five the left side of, on the third pairing. And even a guy that didn't stick around too long and was sent back to, to Charlotte ahead of their camp was Roland McEwen, who is another guy who could make the jump be it this this year and the years to come. There There's some plug-and-play guys there too. And then, of course, there's, there's Klaus Dahlbeck, who will probably be the seventh defenseman, and we know what he brings, um, for better or worse.
1: And you mentioned the, the defenseman, Dev, and... You know, it was kind of a foregone conclusion throughout the summer that the bottom pairing, uh, uh, we've talked about it so much on this show, uh, last year consisted of Klaus Dahlbeck, Matt Tennyson, and Ryan Murphy, uh, at points Noah Hannifin was down there prior to the Ron Hainsey trade, uh, but it, it was a problem uh, throughout the year for the team. Other than Hannafin, no one looked like they were really good enough for the NHL for long stretches. So they went out and they got Trevor Van uh via Chicago from Las Vegas. And then uh, Hayden Fleury has long been presumed to be able to make the jump. Uh, but the battle in camp has been kind of interesting. Uh, Fleury's looked pretty good to fine at, throughout, but uh, he's getting some pressure. Uh, Jake Bean... Uh, got a look on the third pairing with Trevor Van Riemsdijk last night, and he certainly didn't look out of place. Uh, you kind of doubt he'll make the team this year, but another guy who's been pushing for that spot is has been Trevor Carrick. Uh, and he brings something, a little bit of a dimension to the defense that only really Falk brings with his shot. Uh, and he's also pretty tenacious on the puck. He's He's not afraid to get a little bit physical out there. And I think he's an interesting candidate. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced he'll beat out Flurry for that spot. I think Flurry will end up there. But I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Carrick beat out Klaus Dahlbeck uh, for the seventh spot, given that both of them will be waiver eligible. And they're going to have to make a decision to expose one of them to the whole league. And I think it just makes a little bit more sense uh, to, to waive Dahlbeck. What do you guys think?
0: I think that the, you know the conversation of who's better is pretty easy. Uh, I think Carrick and what he brings is a lot more valuable than what Dahlbeck brings. I think in part the the fear is, or I guess my fear is, putting a 23-year-old who still has time to grow, um, especially being a 23-year-old defenseman, and putting him in the press box a lot. So I, that's my fear, um, but I'd rather realize and take on that fear as opposed to trying to pass him through waivers where... I think that a lot of teams would look at what he's done in preseason and say, yeah, he fits on our on our team. I think there's a lot of teams that, that would justify taking him and even putting him as their number seven or as their number six or what have you. His offense is most certainly better than Klaus Dahlbeck. He's far more dynamic. He he has that shot. He's not a play ender when his puck is on when the puck is on his stick, he can continue the play and he can dish it around. Yeah, you know, if it's if it's just a competition between skill, I think Carrick wins it every time over Dahlbeck. Um, I'm just I'm interested to see see what how, how this team goes about picking their their seventh defenseman.
2: Yeah, and for me, I I mean obviously TVR will be slotted in there, um, but I I have Flurry, and I think one of the things that's really underrated about him and something you kind of have to take a look at uh, is his stick play. He has a really long reach, and he's really good with the stick. So, I mean, based on last season with Tennyson, Murphy, and Klaus Dahlbeck, I think automatically you can kind of say that you will have a win improvement just based on different personnel in that bottom pairing. Uh, maybe some of the decisions, like the 15 overtime losses, might go a different way because you have those two different players. Because we got to think of how bad, at times, Ryan Murphy Klaus to all Matt Tennyson could be. Um, pretty sure there's plenty of footage out there to prove us right. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely have Flurry leaning it. Carrick is a good player. Uh, you know, 16 points in Charlotte last year. It was great. Um, but he—he's just. I don't think he's ready for that jump. And I think I, I think Flurry has just been a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think entering camp it was definitely Fleury's job to lose there on that final pairing and you know uh, he hasn't done anything to to lose it um it's very clearly his job at this point um the effort he put in against uh the Lightning was very impressive how he stepped in for Derek Ryan uh after that bad hit and you know he's he's steady he's not a guy that I've seen make a lot of big errors and at this point that's really all that I can ask for out of that pairing uh, just don't make a lot of mistakes because you know you have more than enough playmakers on the blue line in that top four and Falk and Slave and, and Hannafin and even Pesci so you know if you can just get a third pairing that can go out there and log decent minutes and almost in, in a more defensive role um, I think that's good and I think that Hayden Fleury has proven that he can step in and handle that. And extending from Kane's camp and Kane's preseason, uh, Charlotte's training camp started on Monday. They got a whole bunch of players to come down um, after the round of cuts over the weekend, and there are a lot of names that you know are going to be ones to watch this year, um, really at every position. Justin, when you look at the Charlotte training camp roster and players that you expect to be going down there, um, how do you feel about it and how do you feel that, about that roster entering the season?
2: Well, I think it's a team that will definitely improve, and it was great that they made the playoffs uh, last year for the first time in three seasons. Um, but again, it's going to be another roster that it's going to be tough tuss- tough for the coaching staff to sort out, and Mike Vellucci will have some tough choices to make. Uh, there's, you know, some returners, but there's going to be a lot of new guys and a lot of young guys. There's going to be a team that's going to be built on youth. Um, and Gautier, Kukunin which I'm still leaning, he might he will be headed to Charlotte. Waugh, I mean, there's there's plenty of young talent here that could easily do well. And last year, the breakout player was Podorowski. And I think this year, I'm, I'm going to give the edge to Gautier. I just think his size fits really well in the AHL. And I think it's going to be tough, you know, with his success down in Charlotte, I think it's going to be tough for, you know, the Canes not to call him up. But I think the the most story, the biggest storyline and the one I'm worried about is the battle between Booth and Delcovich. Um, you know, Tom McCollum was the kind of guiding light, I guess you could say, um, as we headed down the stretch last season and more or less helped them earn a playoff spot. Uh, he is no longer a member of the team. And it will be Jeremy Smith and one of Booth and Nedeljkovic. And I'm going to have to give the advantage to Booth. Uh, Nedeljkovic was very, very bad last year. Granted, it was his rookie season, um, but he spent some time in the ECHL for a little bit there. I just think it would take an absolutely outstanding camp from him to earn a spot. I just think Booth, especially another one given his size, um, I, I think he gets a spot.
0: Yeah, I think the I think the goaltending battle between Booth and Nedeljkovic there is going to be interesting. You, you you kind of said it exactly right. Justin Nedeljkovic really struggled last year. AHL ECHL there was there were issues there. And Callum Booth has come in and has had a really impressive month of September dating back to the Traverse City tournament. Um, I remember we talked about him a little bit at, right after the tournament and uh, how well that he played. He carried that into preseason. Actually, both of them did, Nadelkovich and Booth. They both played well in preseason. I don't know who to pick it, uh, amongst these two. Um, I think Nadelkovich might have an edge in the fact that, that this he is a second-year guy. But, yeah, I think that's a close one, and you know I think either one of them could could come out with that, um, assuming Nadelkovich can bounce back from what was a very difficult year for him uh, a season ago. Julian Gochi, I think I I agree is going to have a big year. I really like how his size could play down there. Um, he's certainly not a bad skater. Um, that was actually one of the things I was surprised more or less with about him was how well that he could skate. And of course his shot is deadly. Um, on the blue line, uh, I think Roland McEwen is in need of a breakout year. He's definitely not with the group of you know Carrick and Flurry and even Jake Bean, to that effect, he needs to have a good year in order to kind of put his name back in, in that area. There are a lot of names and a lot of them are young, which is you know incredibly exciting because you see both the NHL roster and the AHL roster. Fill up with a lot of players in their early 20s. So it's fun to watch.
2: Yeah, and I think there, there's definitely some statistical things they can improve on. Uh, first and foremost, they finished dead last in power play percentage at 13.1%. At one point, they were at least 6 or 7% below the 29th place team, and that was back in December. I think that also you're going to see a lot more offensive production from this lineup. They were 16th in goals 4 and had a plus 4 goal differential. I th- I think that another factor that that plays into it we we mentioned the the bottom pairing in Carolina, whoever doesn't make the roster between Flurry and Carrick, they're going to be relied on heavily. Um, I I think that the the line the blue line could have a little bit of a shaky year, but I think that Dennis Robertson is a guy who's also made a lot of strides. Uh, he's not he's not going to be somebody that's going to compete for a Kane spot. He is a career AHLer. But he's I mean, he's a very good at his job and he, you know, a very solid uh, top four guy for them. So, yeah, guys like Dennis Robertson will be relied on heavily. So it's definitely going to be interesting to watch how the remaining battle for the bottom or the bottom pairing role in Carolina shakes up uh, because it's going to have a direct effect on Charlotte. But I, I think this is a team that could get back to the playoffs.
1: And if the checkers do return to the playoffs, they will be doing so out of the AHL's Eastern Conference. They have moved from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference, which is A very logical decision, uh, given that Charlotte, North Carolina, is firmly in the eastern half of North America. Uh, But some teams that are not in the eastern half of North America are those that occupy the NHL's Pacific Division. Which brings us to this week's edition of NHL Team Season Previews, where we will be breaking down the teams in the Pacific Division. Uh, I think the obvious team to start off with is the NHL's newest team, the 31st team, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I have some thoughts about the Golden Knights, but I'm going to defer to Brett first on this one. Brett, what do you think about this roster?
0: They won't finish last. They are not going to finish last in the NHL this year. Look, you know, they're they're not great. I'm not not going to say that they're, uh, they're going to do anything special, but I think compared to other expansion teams, they're much less of an absolute embarrassment on the ice. I think they have a good mix of veterans. I mean, they have Marc-Andre Fleury in net, so they're already ahead of... At least what, like seven to ten teams in that regard, and you know they have young pieces that that should be good. I think uh, Shea Theodore is going to be an impact player for them for a while. You know, I and you have guys like James Neal up front. Uh, Vadim Shapitshev came over from the KHL, and they're hoping that he can you know replicate replicate some of that Russian league success uh, in North America and if they can you know they this is a top end that can score goals they have Riley Smith Jonathan Marchessault there there are some decent pieces there and i i i think that they're going to maybe surprise some people
1: i i do think they're going to finish last in the nhl this no year way. um i think there is a very clear way let's let's break down <laughs> this roster all right all right in goal, you mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, and I love the guy. Great, great guy. Wonderful teammate, I'm sure. But not not a very good goalie anymore. Okay. He had a save percentage last year at... Huh? I said
0: okay. No,
1: he, he had a save percentage <laughs> last year at 9.09. The year before that, he came in at 9.21, which was great, but that's, that's a pretty good. sharp decline, and he's... He's getting up there in age. He's, you know, he's in in his mid-30s now. Just the last year was not a good year for him. He he got his net stolen by Matt Murray. Um, he had a, a couple good games in the playoffs coming back. Uh, but I, I just don't see him as a, a firmly above average starting goaltender. And he's not even the real weakness on this team, I don't think. I, I think it's the defense. You look at this roster and... It's a bad defense. Like, Shea Theodore's a, a good player. Uh, I'd be thrilled to have him as a number four defenseman. He's probably even capable as a number three. But, but I think he's pretty clearly the best defenseman on this roster. <laughs> In terms of right-handed guys, they have two listed uh, currently on, on their website, which are Colin Miller, who's good, but a guy I would have, again, at either as a the lesser player on a second pairing or as the better player on a bottom pairing. Uh, and Derek Engelin who, let's be honest, does not belong anywhere near the NHL. Some other names uh, on this list, Braden Braden McNabb, who's pretty good, John Merrill, who's not very good, Griffin Reinhart, who... Disaster. Uh, Lucas Avisa, who's disaster. Clayton Stoner, disaster. Uh, And then Nate Schmidt, who I do like. I like Nate Schmidt a lot. I think he'll be pretty good for them, but... Uh, on the right side, this defense is going to be putrid, and on the left hand, it's going to be below average at best. Uh, and then on offense, again, uh, the top-end talent just isn't there. Uh, James Neal is pretty good, uh, but Vadim Sapachyev is just a complete and total unknown. Uh, he, he, great numbers in the KHL, but he's 30 years old and he's never played an NHL game. And I don't think it's very wise to rely on a 30-year-old who's never played an NHL game to be a first-line center in the NHL. Uh, And then beyond that, I'm just not inspired by what I see here. I don't think Riley Smith is particularly good. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau had a great year last year, but I'm not bullish on his chances to replicate that. Uh, David Perron's all right. Eric Howell is all right. William Carlson's all right. Uh, but he, you run out of top six forwards on this roster really quick, uh, and it's just basically James Neal and maybe Shapachev, and maybe March or so. and that's just not a recipe for success. Uh, you compare him to the Colorado Avalanche, who were <laughs> horrific last year. As of right now, Matt Duchene is still a member of the Colorado Avalanche. Nathan McKinnon is a member of the Colorado Avalanche. Gabriel Landeskog is a member of the Colorado Avalanche. Those are all bona fide top six players in the in the NHL. That defense is bad, but I don't see it as being meaningfully worse than what Vegas is. Is uh, I like Semyon Varlamov's chances to bounce back more than I like marc Andre Fleury's chances to bounce back. In net, and I just think. I think Vegas is going to be great in five years. Uh, I think the way they're building is pretty smart. Uh, they added a ton of draft picks over the next two years. And I love what they did in the first round with Cody glass, Eric Bronstrom and Nick Suzuki. I think all three of those picks were fantastic. And I think they're all going to be building blocks moving forward. Uh, but this team, let's be honest. It was a team that was built to tank. There's a reason they didn't take Matthias at home. There's a reason they didn't take, you know, I can't remember who was left from, from Minnesota's defense. It was either Brodine or Dumba. I think But there's a, the reason they agreed to a deal to not take those guys there's a reason they were so forgiving to all these NHL teams and it's that they weren't trying to be good right away they were trying to build assets in the form of draft picks and build a team that could have a chance to get a number 1 pick or two and i think i think that's the goal and i think that's what they're going to do
0: i think i think with this team it's a special team obviously because it's a it's an expansion club and i think that kind of plays into it a little bit these are a bunch of guys that were left out by their teams or they were traded from their teams to an, extension te- an expansion team. This is a group of players that are very aware that they were not wanted where they were. And now they're being put on a team with a lot of other motivated players that want to prove those other teams wrong. And I think that that plays a role in it to some extent. Because I think for a lot of these players, you're going to be getting the best out of them. I think James Neal is a guy that can get you 20. Riley Smith, I could easily see coming back up near 20 goals, too. Marchessault so is a guy who had a big year last year. I also don't think he's going to reach 30 goals again, but I think he's going to be a useful top six player for them. Eric Howla is a guy that can play in the bottom six and do well. David Perron's a guy that can play in the top nine and do pretty well. Vadim Shipachev is, you know, he's a definitely a wild card at 30 years old, but he's played well in Russia, and if that success trans over or translates over in any way, then I think Vegas is going to be pretty happy with that. I don't, I, I don't hate Flurry. I really, I think that he's a better option than what a lot of other teams have, especially near the bottom of the league. Calvin Pickard's there too as, as his backup, and on the blue line, yes, there are, there are plenty of issues on the blue line Shay Theodore is young I like his upside he he should be in their top four if they're not putting him in their top four I don't know what they're doing um, Griffin Reinhart's a train wreck Colin Miller is serviceable John Merrill needs to show something for the love of God um, Nate Schmidt I think is a is probably their best defenseman or among their best defensemen in their top four uh, Spiza and Garrison are big uh will seize. I don't hate them. I mean, they're, I think they're both top six defensemen, and they're, they're serviceable, too. But, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't see, I don't think they're going to finish last. I think that some team, be it Vancouver or Colorado or whoever it is, Detroit, This those are a bunch of teams with players on big old contracts that are, you know, kind of cruising into the end of their career, especially in Detroit's case. And there isn't a whole lot of, oh, chip on their shoulder-ness um, in, those, in those scenarios. And Vegas is a team full of players that are looking to prove a lot of people wrong, prove that they are still very good at what they do. So I, I, I pick Vegas for a dark horse, not 31st overall team.
1: Two things before Justin gets awarded, and I'm very sorry, okay. Justin. We have breaking news relevant to the discussion we just had manny elk of corsica hockey the best hockey analytics website on the market when it comes back on when
0: it's not redirecting you to youtube
1: right just tweeted the following thing as he is apparently watching the the or the the golden knights play a preseason game okay. and i quote Sabisa merrill is a struggle pairing Okay. So I think it's pretty safe to assume he agrees with me about the defense. Okay, okay, now. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 Spisa, let me get my second if you're, point in. Okay, get get Sabiza second second point point in. In. is playing. NHL coaches love Lucas Sibiza. He will crack that lineup. So second thing, this isn't remember the Titans, Brett. This is the NHL. They're not going to have any okay. meaningful difference made because they're motivated okay. to prove their old teams <laughs> wrong. They're they're off their old teams for a reason. This isn't Miracle. <laughs>
0: I'm not trying to paint this like some kind of Disney movie, okay? This is this is not what the the goal is. Let me tell you what the goal is.
2: You should tell a lot of players on that roster what the goal is cuz it seems like they miss it pretty often.
0: <laughs> Justin, I don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> I know that this is not a Disney movie, but I do however think that regardless of what fancy many tweets that you throw at me, this is a team that has motivated to play. I mean, that that has to mean something. All of these guys were pretty much just, oh, we don't want you on our team. Oh, you have a big cap hit, so we're just going to let some other team take you. I think it, it, there has to be some amount of pride in these NHL players. I mean, they're professional athletes that play for something. They don't play, they don't all play for just money or whatever it may be. There's a some sort of pride on the line that i would think would at least motivate them to do better than they have in the year prior um maybe i'm just letting boyish wishes get in my way of reasoning but i don't think i am
2: is it my turn it is your turn you may have the floor i am really excited okay so i've been listening to both of your arguments uh first let's put some historical context uh, the the league hasn't expanded since 2000 when they added Minnesota and Columbus. Now I'm I brought up some stats for you guys. Now in 17 years, a lot has changed. The this is a different team for the modern NHL. I guess you could say more or less. Columbus win total that first year was 28 wins. They had nine ties. I guess you could throw that in there. Minnesota had 25 wins, and they had 13 ties. So if you want to put that in a percentage, 4.33 for Columbus, 4.15 for Minnesota. Now, I have also been looking at the roster. Vegas' first line can be, in my opinion, pretty good. I think I really like James Neal. I like Marcia So, and I think Sipichov, or however you pronounce his name, I'm just going to call him V. Um, I think... He- I think that he he will have a lot to prove in his first NHL team. With that being said, we obviously I think both of you can agree on that this team could have been better in year one, but they decided not to.
1: Yeah.
2: More or less. I mean, there was players that were left unprotected that I was kind of dumbfounded and I'm still shocked that they took Connor Brickley. I
0: mean they from they didn't team. even keep Connor Brickley.
2: Yeah. They're I,
0: clearly not trying to win.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean he was he was clutch in Charlotte last year. Let me tell you that. Anyways, yes, Colorado was a terrible team last year, but I also think they're a distracted team. Um, I think that with this Matt Duchesne stuff going on, until he is traded, I think that will have an effect on them. And I, I know that may not I, that may not there may not be an advanced stat for that. Um, I just think that especially if he gets traded early on you got to look at the return and I think the return will be based on if they are better than Vegas or not. I think automatically yeah, Fleury has struggled in in a Pittsburgh role but also his defense was terrible in front of him. That has never been a strong point for Pittsburgh in my opinion and it looks pretty bad <laughs> again this year in Vegas as as Kyle alluded to. Um with that being said, though, I am going to have to side with Kyle. Woo. And I hate to say it because I, I love agreeing with both of you. But also, <laughs> I think um I think there's just too it's too much of an odd group. It's too much of an odd group. This is what I will say. I will say they will get over 20 wins. I think I could say that with certainty. I, I think they could even reach twenty five to maybe even thirty. 30. Um, I think the West is a, is a different animal than the East this year. I think that the West is actually weaker than the East this year. Um, I, I like the, all the talent the East teams have, and you know, with the Premier League West schedule, I think that Vegas can get some wins, and I think they might even surprise some teams on some nights. I don't think it's going to be easy to write them off. Um, but with that said, yes, the defense is atrocious, which is funny because the narrative was that oh they've selected all these defensemen it's going to be great going into the season Man, that's going to be on the they one They traded all of them. They traded all of them. Especially I mean the one that we ended up with Trevor, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. which I mean could have been a perfect guy in their top 4. Um, but with that said I really am not sold on this team yet. I think they will be good. I think um, one one player to look at is Reed Duke. I like him a lot. Um, we'll have to see how he turns out and Excuse me if I'm pronouncing the name wrong. Alex Tuck? Tuck? Yeah? That's right. Okay. Um, I, I think that he's also a guy that can contribute for Vegas. Um, if we're looking at the youth side, as Kyle alluded to, they can be a team that can be competitive in maybe five, six, seven years. Uh, but I think it's going to be uh, a little bit of a struggle for these first few seasons. And um, I, I really like the draft class they, they brought in. I, I was a big fan of Suzuki um i don't think he's going to be i correct me if i'm wrong i know he's definitely not going to be on this roster come opening night yep he got cut um, because he got cut but um (laughs) yeah i i don't know i i think that they're a team that they could they might can get into the 20 30 win range i don't think you can write them off for 10 15 wins um but i i don't know i feel bad for a guy like flurry that's gonna have to play in front of you know this team, because it sucks that a, a guy in the veteran part of his career, Stanley Cup champion, uh, kind of has to play in front of the remnants of the NHL, more or less. Um, so I am going to have to say that Vegas will be the worst team in the league this coming season.
0: However, I think you might have helped me prove my point on accident. And I'll tell you why. You said that all those expansion teams had 25-whatever wins. This team's a lot better than those. The expansion teams of old were garbage. They were bad. There there wasn't a James Neal on many of those expansion teams. A guy that can score 20-25 goals. I'm not out here saying that they're going to make a playoff spot or they're going to shock the world. I just don't think they're going to finish 30th. I think that there are plenty of teams that are maybe on paper, maybe a little bit better but will fall back down. And Kyle can get on me as much as he wants about this, but I, I think that the motivation's there for this team. It's a group of players that are in a new place, a new team, a big fan base that really wants to see them play. And I think that's really exciting to an extent for them, and they're not finishing last.
1: Brett, can you do me a favor and add the Airbud theme music over what you just said when you (laughs) got together?
2: Look, Brett, I I agree, yes. They have something to prove. But I think they're all garbage. I think most of them are garbage. You know
0: what? We're moving on.
2: No, come on, come on. You know what? what? We have
0: to
1: move on. We have to move on. There's there's seven more teams in the division.
0: I'll say this. This is my last point in april no
1: you just had your last point
0: no 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 this is my last (laughs) point this is my closing thought i've never Uh, gotten the closing this is i you don't deserve one i am the one being pushed in the corner here i deserve it my closing
1: thought. fellow americans
0: in april we're gonna be making another podcast episode 30 something 40 something um and we're gonna be talking about how i was right and I'm I, mean, I'm go- I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, it's literally
1: more likely than not that they don't finish last. We're going My take and, is just that they're the worst team.
0: And I'm. We're gonna be playing clips from this podcast, including this one.
2: I think the biggest assumption you made is that we ha- we won't be canceled by next April.
0: That or that the Vegas Golden Knights won't be canceled. By next
2: April. <laughs> now we talked about some bad players on the Vegas Golden Knights. But we're actually going to move into... Underrated players. <laughs> we're not, Heartbroken
1: we're not. players. We're not. All right. <laughs> Just move
2: on. <laughs> they got some c- tough competition that they're going to face in the Pacific Division. And we're going to get back into our season previews. We've discussed each division, some teams. Uh, and next week, we'll have the, the Canes themselves. So we'll have a big podcast on the Canes. Uh, but this week is the Pacific Division... And as we mentioned, we talked a little bit about Vegas, but now let's get into some of the other teams. Now, obviously, I guess you can say that the best player, if not the second best player in hockey is in this division. I'm going to kick it off. We're going to get Edmonton and Kyle's take on the Oilers.
1: I think the Oilers are a very good team, certainly a playoff team, and probably, in my opinion, the ultimate division champions here, at least in the regular season. Not so sure about the playoffs, but uh, I think <laughs> just between the core they have uh, with McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh Nugent Hopkins up front, I think Yamamoto is going to be a big breakout player for them right away. Uh, and then Oscar Clefbaum. can't say enough about him. He's basically Jacob Slavin West in terms of how underappreciated and how all-around solid he is. Cam Talbot and net. Uh, I don't think there's really a team that has the complete package uh i mean i guess i I guess brett will argue for anaheim just to to oppose me here but uh, i like edmonton's top end talent depth uh maybe not forward depth but the top end talent for sure uh, on offense and defense and in goal uh and i think i think it's a winning formula for a division title this year
2: yeah i i think edmonton's going to be a a team that can get easily get back to the playoffs. yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to see if Yamamoto makes the, the roster. I think he he could be a, a guy that kind of has a breakout year. Um, I think it all comes down to the defense and, and Cam Talbot holding up. Uh, but I, I, I like this roster a lot. And I think it will be interesting to see how Dreisaitl plays this year now that he got paid. Um, and I, I, I think that um, the guy that has the most to prove, though, is Ryan Strom. Uh, Jordan Eberle was a guy that you know performed well in the top six in Edmonton was kind of more or less a fan favorite as well I guess you could say Um, so we'll have to see but I think uh, I think this could be easily a playoff team
0: oh yeah Um, I think it's I think it's definitely a two-horse race here between Anaheim and Edmonton Uh, I like Anaheim in the sense that they have a veteran team and they have a blue line that that is very good John Gibson I like a lot in that. They brought in Ryan Miller to, to back him up, so that should be a pretty steady backup option for him. Uh, in regards to Edmonton, though, I think that losing Sakara will hurt, but I, I, I think that the, the blue line is definitely good enough to have them compete for the top of the division. Of course, Connor McDavid is the most dynamic offensive hockey player in the world right now. Guys like Jesse puyi and Kyle Yamamoto are just a couple more young guys that could come in and be impact players. Um, I'm excited to see how they do. Oscar Clefbaum, like Kyle said, fantastic defenseman. Uh, Cam Talbot's a really solid and good NHL goalie, maybe a little bit even underrated. You wouldn't guess that, though, based on how Carolina picked him apart last night on Monday night. But I digress. You know, this is definitely a team that... If they don't win the division, I think they'll come right behind Anaheim.
2: Yeah, I think Anaheim uh, is definitely another team that's going to stand out. Um, And I think that you can kind of... I will throw L.A. in there. Um, But I think the hottest take uh, of the division... And I think it's going to be nuclear. I think the Arizona Coyotes are going to secure a wild card spot. And I know that's, that's big, giving... You know, kind of what the Central Division has to offer because I think they are definitely the stronger division of the West. Um, I really like this roster. Um, they 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 got rid of some, uh, I guess they're trash more or less. Um, Mike Smith out of there. Dave Tippett gone. Shane Doan. <laughs> no, I'm not calling Shane Doan trash. <laughs> trust me. And in case we have any Coyotes listeners, yeah, for sure. I did not call Shane Doan trash. Uh, you know, he had a great career, uh, but it's out with the old and in with the new. Yeah. And I like the additions to the roster. Um, Derek Stefan, uh, Nicholas Tromason and Jason Demers are kind of three additions that stand out to me. Uh, auntie definitely has the most to prove. I believe he's in a contract year as well. So I guess you can kind of throw that into the mix of, he might play better to earn that contract. And the number one spot is most likely his, um, uh, that they added to the back end will only improve, I think, their star defenseman, Oliver ekman Larson, who, to me, still remains the most underrated player in the NHL. He is a absolute stud on the back end. Um, they were a team that only put up 70 points last season, but I think that they might have what it takes to make the playoffs this year.
0: That's a spicy take, but I don't hate it. Um, I actually really like the Coyotes, too. I like how that youth is coming up. And a guy I don't think you mentioned, but is definitely going to be worth watching, um, is Clayton Keller, uh, who is a very dynamic and skilled rookie who I was hoping would fall to Carolina um, a couple of years ago. But, yeah, you know, the Coyotes are good, and they're going to continue to be good. And I think that John Shika has done a very, very good job at the helm of the Coyotes. I think he's building this thing in a very uh, effective way.
1: I tend to agree. Uh, I'd definitely like to echo what you said about Clayton Keller. I think he's going to be uh, pretty unbelievable for them. Uh, and as Justin mentioned, the step on trade to kind of stabilize the number one center position. I mean, is is he an elite number one center? Absolutely not. But uh, he, he's proven throughout the years with the Rangers that he's a guy who can who can step up in the playoffs and he's certainly not out of place as a number one center at all and I think the the Jalmerson acquisition is something that has really gone under the radar uh, just I think he's I think he was very underappreciated in Chicago honestly uh, back when they were winning championships it was Keith and Searook getting all the credit but I think he's a better shutdown defenseman than both of them and I think you know beyond Oliver ekman Larson he brings a different dimension to that. Coyote's defense, that's going to make them a lot tougher to play against. Uh, And in that division, that's not a very strong division that could be a difference maker. Uh, The only thing I take issue with 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 what Justin said is that I don't think there's going to be a wild card available to that division. I think the Central is going to scoop up five spots pretty easily. Uh, So I think if Arizona is going to get in, they're going to have to find a way to beat out two of Calgary, Edmonton, Anaheim, Los Angeles and San Jose. And I'm just not sure. That's that. Uh, that's going to happen. But I, I like where they're going. They're definitely going to be there sooner than later.
0: And with that, we have our top three predictions, or top four. If uh, some people, like Justin, think that there's going to be a wild card team in this division. Uh, Justin, who are the playoff teams in the Pacific Division of the NHL's Western Conference?
2: Well, that was a great description. And I'm going to head in. Uh, I'm going to give number one to actually Edmonton. Uh, I think it's hard to root against a team with Connor McDavid. And I, I don't know. I just really like this roster. Uh, pretty much the same one intact, you know, minus Eberle, you know, sub in for Strom. I, I'll put them at number one. I, I think that McDavid could easily put up another 100 points. Um, Up next, I'm going to take Calgary with number two. I really like their roster. Um, I I think that Goudreau uh, and Kachuk... And I think that i have I have like this weird man crush on Sean Monahan. I really like his game. I really like how he plays. um so i I really like that offense and then you can, oh yeah, definitely. and uh you know, I think you can you can say with Giordano and Hamilton at the forefront um and now Travis Hammonick, i that defense looks good. I think the only thing that could hold them back is goaltending with Mike Smith and Eddie Lack. Uh, sorry, Canes fans that are big Eddie fans. Uh, I just think that tandem's kind of weak. Um, but I'll, I'll slot them in at number two and I'll actually put for number three, I'll put LA and I'm not happy about saying that because I think LA is a team that's going to be picking in the top 10 pretty soon. I think age is going to catch up to them. And, um, I, I think that, you know, Jonathan quick being hurt all the time, uh, will also catch up with him. So I will actually slot them in at number three. I still still like Anze Kopitar, Drew Doughty uh, leading the way. I'm going to give them number three. And then I will give a wild card spot to the Arizona Coyotes. I think they're going to be a team that just surprises a lot. Um, even if they don't get that wild card spot, they're definitely going to improve at least a good 15 points on their point total from last season. They will not end up with 70 points or less. Um, I, I think that the, the roster looks a lot different. Um, and I think ekman Larson's going to have a big year. Uh, so those are my player predictions for the Pacific Division. Kyle, you're up next.
1: Uh, first and foremost, uh, I think the Vancouver Canucks are going to lead the division in <laughs> least amount of points in the standings.
0: Uh, oh, I thought dis- that was going to be Vegas. I thought
1: that oh. was going to be the Golden Knights. <laughs> that, uh, that was a bit. I was trying to do a bit, uh, and I forgot about the Golden Knights. Being yeah, in a I don't forget this. This is so. embarrassing. <laughs> anyway anyway uh yeah i'll take the golden knights and the canucks at the bottom of the division uh working my way up just for no reason um i'll take la third from the bottom and san jose fourth from the bottom uh actually no arizona fourth from the bottom and then uh, i'll have san jose fifth from the bottom just below the playoff cut line uh and then my three playoff teams as i mentioned earlier i've got edmonton at number one in the division Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put Anaheim at number two division, number two in the division. I'm a little bit surprised that Justin left him out of their playoff, uh, his playoff spots. Um, I, I don't like Anaheim at all. Uh, they're, they're, they're one of my least favorite teams in the league for a lot of reasons, but, uh, it's hard to imagine them with that defense and goaltending not miss, not making the playoffs. Uh, and then I do like Calgary a lot, uh, this year and I have them at number three. Uh, I love Matt Kachuk. Uh, Goudreau should have a bounce back here. That defense is incredible. Uh, and I think that how good that defense is should help offset the the weak goaltending that Justin alluded to.
2: Okay, I'm going to take it back. That was a terrible take. Um, I will put Anaheim at number three. I don't know why I didn't think of Anaheim for a second there. <laughs> Ryan Getzlaff, Corey Perry. Uh, I like John Gibson in that. I'll put them in at number three, and I will actually put L.A. out of a playoff spot. All right. Right, you're up.
1: Sorry, Los Angeles. (laughs) Sorry, Kings
0: fans.
2: Who needs you, Kings fans?
0: I I think, Kyle, we're going to find some common ground here. Uh, I'll take three playoff teams from the Pacific, and I think Edmonton's going to take the top spot. Uh, I think losing Kessler is going to hurt Anaheim a good bit for the first half of the year, and I think that drops them down to two. Uh, I like Calgary a whole lot. That blue line is very good. I think it ma- is going to mask a lot of the goalie issues that they are that they could have, at least. Um, and I think that they will finish third. I think that uh, San Jose and Arizona are going to be the ones that are very close, but not quite in there. I think L.A. takes a step back. And the Vancouver Canucks are going to finish last in the division, and the Vegas Golden Knights are going to finish above the Vancouver Canucks
2: wrong sue me hot take anyway I mean, i'm glad we
1: found some common ground I'm, I'm I'm glad there's something we can agree on yeah that's that's a good way to end this podcast right it's a small world <laughs> i'm not sure what I that song has to do we with that. definitely
0: i think we just combined two songs because i think that was the tone to uh it's a tiny tiny world
2: what of no Disney i was it's a tiny, t- tiny
1: world, <laughs>
2: Brett. That's the same no, song, man. It's a, it's a small world, <laughs> the Disney and film. and and
0: and the and the, and the podcast, Justin. End it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys so much for joining us. Just a reminder that it's a very small world. Uh, you can follow us at Kane's Country. That's C A N E S C O U. N-T-R-Y. <laughs> I hope I spelled that right. I'm laughing a little <laughs> bit. Uh, my name is Justin Lape. I cover the checkers for Chains Country. You can follow me at Blanky Lape on Twitter. I'm not that great of a follow compared to the other two. But hey, if you want some information, sometimes I have it. Uh,
1: you can follow me at K underscore Morton 9. Uh, I can promise you that you will never find me thinking that a Disney movie is called this right. tiny, tiny, tiny world. <laughs> it's not something for right. tweet ever unlike someone
0: Uh, credit to me i don't tweet it i say it on podcasts and you can find me on twitter at brett finger b-r-e-t-t-f-i-n-g-e-r i'm tired
2: well we'll let brett get some sleep just a reminder that next week we will also have a podcast we'll be discussing the canes more in depth uh give our predictions for them maybe a little bit about the roster and uh yeah thanks for joining us for now 10 episodes
0: and also, be sure to follow us and subscribe on uh, iTunes and Google Play Store. Um, also, leave a review if it's positive. If it's negative, we don't want to hear it. Just the positive ones,
1: please.
2: If it, Tell us it's negative, think. we're blocking you. So,
1: Yep. We don't we're like your negative. Friend. We're opinions. your friends here. We are your yeah. friends at the Cats yeah. Country Podcast.
2: Definitely. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. This was fun. And goodbye.
1: Peace. It was,
0: it was fun for some of us. <laughs> <laughs>